Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Extempers Bible. Today, we're here with Brian Zeng. He was the NCFL champion, one Glenn Brooks, two-time NBA invitee, and he's here to be interviewed by me. So it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. So this is like the question I love to start off with, but uh, how did you get started with extemporaneous speaking? Yeah, so I joined speech team my freshman year, and I started off doing impromptu. So impromptu was like in Illinois, it's a bit different from nationally because um, you have like a two minute prep period and you have to speak for six minutes. Other than that, it's pretty similar. But I realized I was pretty good at speaking off the cuff. Um, and extemporaneous speaking had that mix of politics and current events in it. And with the 2016 election having just happened the freshman year, I was kind of getting into that sort of current events issues and politics and stuff like that. So extemp became a way for me to learn more about that, but also train my speaking off the cuff. And I think that combined was really instrumental in making me do extemp and become good at extemp. Totally. And that would be like a crazy way to start out your extemp career, like after uh, the 2016 elections. Mm-hmm. Did you have like any uh, debate experience prior to speech or just like joined impromptu oh. first? Um, yeah, in eighth grade, I took like a speaking course thing and I figured out that I was pretty decent at public speaking. I didn't really consider debate because I had speech kind of on my mind as I was going through. I didn't really know I'd end up in extemp, but I knew I wanted to do something with public speaking. Awesome. So how long have you been competing in extemp then? Is it like your fourth year? It would just be sophomore, junior, senior year. So three seasons total. Awesome. And over those three seasons, what's been the best piece of advice you've ever received? That's like change the way you think about extemp. Yeah. The best piece of advice I've ever received probably, um, I did a lot of reading for the interviews, like, um, extemp central and stuff like that and uh meeting with people on the circuit for example christopher maximos who is currently in college now he graduated the year before he was really instrumental because he always brought like humor and personality to the event and that was something that i tried to emulate and that's a piece of advice i would give everyone else because sure extemp is an event where you need strong analysis and stuff like that but delivery and making sure your humor and your personality is embedded within your speech can really take you further when combined with strong analysis rather than if you just have one or the other. So any advice then for like naturally unfunny people on how to bring humor into those speeches? Yeah, so I think great ways to incorporate humor into your speeches are obviously in your introduction and then in your on tops of transitioning between points. Um, So I think that you can use sources like even if you want to take an Onion article or if you find a funny article online, I would spend some time filing specifically like really funny sources or something that's really absurd so that you can incorporate them easily because this doesn't require really any thinking on your part. If you have the source, you can just put it in uh, one of your on tops or in your introduction. So that gives you like a surefire way to bring some humor, especially if you don't think that you're naturally funny. Totally. And then on the other part of that, then bringing personality to your speeches, what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate? Yeah. So when certain people speak, you kind of have an expectation. Like if there are a couple names on the national circuit, when they speak, you kind of 
are anticipating them for for them to break into a few jokes and stuff like that. For me, I'd say my personality is um, like I seem pr- like a pretty serious guy. Like that's kind of my stick. I seem like a pretty serious guy when I walk into the room, but when I start talking, I seem really co- like you can kind of have a conversation with your judge and the audience kind of because in extemp a lot of people a lot of competitors will try to talk at the audience and talk at the judge like you're teaching them something which you are but I think it's much more effective if you act like you're speaking with them in a conversation and that's something I've had to work on as well that really makes your personality shine through as well because you're able to connect with them on a deeper level than just you know, saying facts or spitting rhetoric at them. I completely agree. And every single interview I've had has touched upon the note of conversationality and like having a discussion with your judge and not at your judge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a super important thing. And But then I guess like, so that touches more on the conversationality aspect, but I'm talking more about like the personality aspect. How exactly would you bring that into your speech? Or like, you know, I guess discover what your personality is in this event yeah so i'd say specific speakers if you told me their names i would be able to give you kind of like a concise 10 word five to ten word rundown of who they are as a speaker or who i perceive them to be as a speaker and those five to ten words is kind of what you want to strive to be like you want someone to say oh it's a ninth, right? I can distill his speaking style into like five or 10 words. And that's when you know you've kind of crafted a persona around it. For me, um, I've kind of had moments in my career, for example, the TOC final round of 2019, where I've cracked like a really, really kind of edgy joke um, or two, like kind of controversial. And I think people are talking about it even into next season. Like at this year's NBA, some of the comp- competitors were telling me about how they weren't even watching that final round and they heard about a joke I made. So I think that's a persona I've kind of um, crafted. But if you tell me a name of someone else, I can say, wow, that speaker is really good at being analytical and her rhetoric is always, always on point. So if you have that sort of persona you create, it makes your speeches much more consistent, but also gives you an idea of how you want to approach every speech and what you want to incorporate as well totally so let's actually try out that game uh these extempers will be getting shout outs i don't know if they listen to the podcast but um first off we got iowa competitor mo marks you know nba champion so if you had to distill her style in five to ten words what would it be she is incredibly consistent that's the word i can use in order to win nba you just have to be hitting every single speech you can't really let up and I think that's what she does extremely well she gives a high level of analytical performance and she has a few like edgy jokes in there as well but that's every single time she's so consistent so she never really lets up agreed um let's see Texas extemper and two-time national champion Jackie Way so I think personally that she is the greatest rhetorical extemper to grace the scene that I know of, right? Ever since I came on there, she's probably the one person that, since she does PF as well, if I had to distill her style into a couple words, it would have to be um, the best analytical speaker of her generation. Like she's extremely well-read and very good at rhetoric. Yeah, that's quite a title too. So 
kudos to her. Um, let's see. Kay Rollins, this year's TOC champion. Yeah. So Kay Rollins is always, for me personally, her, her style of distilled is always going to be um, the one competitor that is younger than me, but better. And that's something that, you know, I've had to deal with because I was a sophomore um, when I had finaled at TOC and the Extem TOC. And I found out that she was a freshman and she was finally at these things too. And I was like, wow, I will have to deal with her for the rest of my career. Um, and it's been humbling because she is also incredibly good at oratory. Uh, she does PF as well. So I'd say that her style is um, kind of sarcastic, biting, witty, and edgy. And that's that kind of edge that you kind of need. Um, but it makes her successful in all the events she does as well. Awesome. And we'll get two more in. Uh, I guess we'll do some people that I've interviewed that you might know. Uh, first, Harvard champion and also NBA invitee, Jack Silvers. Yeah. Jack's personality is he is a charming guy. He's very personable. He's extremely nice. Very. Um, but that means that he is able to, whenever he walks into a room, he lights it up, right? Uh, and that's kind of the uh, connection he crafts with the audience and the judges as well. They they root for him. Everyone roots for him because he lights the room up and he's extremely uh, happy, smiling guy. And one more, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name, so I'm sorry. But uh, last year's national IX runner-up, Pranav Patata Thunuduvil. Yeah, he's another one that's younger than me. Um, I, I met him for the first time last year at ETOC. So what I can say for him is that he definitely continues that Plano tradition of producing very strong um, analytical extempers as well, because he consistently places high and as I think he uh, got top six at this year's NBA as well. So that requires a mix of kind of Mo Marx's consistency along with Jacqueline's rhetoric. And I think he's going to be one of the big names to watch in the coming year. Some competition for the rest of the extempers, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to yeah. see. So you touched up a lot on your experience with the NBA round robin. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that's like a more special tournament. Only the top 16 extempers in the nation get invited to that. And I know that their like style is, they have like very weird question style, like very mm -hmm. unique, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. So can you like uh, elaborate on your experience with the NBA, what you thought of the questions, maybe give us some examples, what the competition was like and all of that? Yeah. So I think NBA is probably the most positive tournament experience I've had along with the Northwestern Extem Tournament of Champions because those two tournaments are very Extem focused. Uh, they're made obviously for Extempers. And that's why I think that those are the two probably highest level of flow competition you're going to get. The judges actually rank you off of what you're saying in your speech rather than maybe how funny you are or your delivery. So I think that's super helpful because the first year I went to MBA, I was like kind of like a hot shot. I thought my delivery was really good, but my analysis could have used a lot of work. And that went that shown through in the results. I didn't get top six. This year I got second because I think I really tighten up my analysis and the way they rank at NBA is there's just 10 rounds and your cumulative rank over those 10 rounds is your place so there's no, no final round or anything so you just really have to be consistent and every year they throw in two experimental rounds um, which are basically stuff they make up on the spot and you just have to do and 
I remember all four experimental rounds from my from the last two years. Last uh, two years ago, the first experimental round was you just had to pick like a charity or a nonprofit and give an extemp speech advocating for why they should donate to them. And they had actually got a pool of like $1,500 that they actually donated to a charity that wow. won. Um, so that was really that's, cool. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And then the second experimental round that year was asking you to basically cosplay as Theresa May and saying how you would negotiate a Brexit crisis if you were like, if you had a cure to like a plague that was going across Europe, if you were the only one, how would you leverage that to tackle the Brexit crisis? And that's kind of relevant today with coronavirus and everything, but that was a really cool round because it let me impersonate Theresa May. I thought that was really fun. Did anyone and like try to is, dish out a British accent? Yeah, I think, I think Chris Maximos might've tried for like the first, few sentences and then he gave it up or something like that <laughs> i think someone actually did and then this year uh there were really fun questions as well the first experimental round we were um first experimental round oh yeah they let us make up our own question and answer it so literally the prompt was make up your own question answer it but you have to use a visual aid so what I did was I just gave a macroeconomic lecture. My question was, with the economy doing so well, why is inflation still low? And I just busted out the AP macro graphs. And I thought that was a really fun round because I just got to draw random stuff on the whiteboard. And then the second question was another news-based one. It was like, oh, both Donald Trump and the Democratic front runners are in the midst of a primary contest or something and Donald Trump had gotten impeached and removed. So you could either choose to be a Democrat or a Republican that wasn't running currently and trying to make the case for why you would be the best nominee. So I chose the Republican side and I said that I was Condoleezza Rice. So I impersonated Condoleezza Rice and said that I'd be the best nominee. So I thought that the experimental rounds on, in both years were hits. I love them. Um, and then the rest of the eight rounds of competition were some of the hardest questions I've had to deal with. They're actually very specific. You have to have background knowledge. They let you use the internet, but honestly, in some cases, it doesn't even help that much. So. Man, that's just sending chills for me. That sounds like a really fun and exciting tournament. And it also seems like one that, I guess, rewards creativity. So how exactly do you come up with creative analysis when you're given such hard questions? Yeah. Yeah, that actually is true. You have to, because at MBA, one of the common criticisms of any speech is that, yeah, all your stuff is right, but you took the easy way out. Like anyone could have said this, you need to be able to tackle it a different way. And creative analysis, I think, comes from, you just have to be reading a lot, right? Because there are certain relationships in the world between different countries and stuff like that, that you can definitely tap into to give another perspective. So if it's a question about something to do in the Middle East, for example, the obvious analysis would be tying into like um, 
regional conflicts and stuff like that, but maybe you can add in a creative aspect of how the US, Russia, or China ties into it and bring in that global aspect as well. So I think you, in order to bring in creative analysis, you kind of have to have a deeper understanding of how these relationships line up um, for IX questions, for example, and then you can pinpoint things that other people maybe haven't and tie that in and that gives you kind of an edge. And for DX questions, you really, I always like to answer it, for example, if there's a question that has anything to do with the law, if you can bring in any sort of Supreme Court stuff like that or some sort of legal case, then you can act, add another element there. So there's a lot of interdisciplinary cross-dimensional analysis things that you can do that can really up your argument. Totally, totally. And um, do you have like any sources then that you recommend? Yeah, I actually got a huge, huge list of sources um, I've got pulled up. I think a lot of think tanks are really useful. Um, the RAND Corporation, I like reading their stuff because they don't come out with stuff often, but when they do, it's like in-depth stuff. Um, Very good analysis. Yeah. Project Syndicate is like oh, a- Oh, incredible source. Yeah. Both. They have like- the. Oh yeah. yeah, you can continue. Yeah, they they have like the top people writing opinion pieces, so it's really cool. Um, and I always like reading foreign foreign like news. So like, uh, the Jerusalem Post gives you obviously in depth stuff in uh, in Israel. Uh, Der Spiegel, a German newspaper, that's actually really good for European affairs in general. Um, and and of course the Economist. The Economist is probably because The Economist is literally like it's written for extempers, okay? Like, I think if you don't have a subscription to The Economist and you're willing to shell out a subscription for anything, um, I'm not subscribed to the New York Times or the Washington Post, um, but I am subscribed to The Economist because I value it that much. And I think that it's really, really useful. 538 is good for like numbers and stuff. You can always cite their- My uh, favorite source. Yeah. And then I always do a quick filing of a bunch of think tanks here. Let me try and find it. Um, obviously, Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, but also the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but that, that's a big like Middle Eastern kind of um, source that's really useful for kind of that security side of things. And there are a lot of regional sources as well. For example, 38 North talks about North Korea. Um, War on the Rocks is like run by U University of Texas and it's about kind of security affairs as well. And there's just a lot of think tanks you can use. There's like this think tank guide from like the University of Pennsylvania's library that if you search up like top think tanks, UPenn on Google, you might find it. It's, on, it's in their, like their library and they have it organized by environmental policy, international development. There's just a ton of think tanks that you can browse through. And I think that having more in-depth analysis through these bigger sources is more useful than just filing a bunch of dailies. Absolutely. Um, going back to The Economist, like they literally have an AGD in each one of their articles. If you look at the first couple of paragraphs, they report on both like US news and international news. And if you wanna get around the paywall, without having to dole out a subscription. This is sort of unethical, but I don't know. Uh, copy and paste the URL from any Economist article 
go to the website outline.com and then enter in that URL and you can get back past the paywall. It works for a lot of other uh, sources as well, like uh, the Washington Post. So that's a one cool thing to try out. And then reading international news, I think that's another great way to get like a, a different perspective. I know a lot of great extempers like uh, Lily Nellens and Olivia Shoemaker did that. And um, this year I've been trying to incorporate that too. Like I, I try to like Google translate foreign sites and then <laughs> see if I could get that extra analysis. So yeah, super helpful. Um, and one one other thing too, I don't think you like, and I think you'd agree with me on this, but you don't have to like speak or, or read like an hour and a half every single day. I, that's like unfeasible for a lot of people, but I was doing the math on my calculator. <laughs> and so if you read 20 minutes a day each day, that's 140 minutes a week. Mm -hmm. um let's say you do that for 12 weeks so like by the end like we're going to like the end of summer that's 1680 minutes which is the same thing as roughly like 28 hours so mm -hmm. yeah like that's definitely a lot of reading and you that's only 20 minutes a day yeah you definitely don't have to read every day um especially since obviously you're getting if you're getting home from school or like practice or something you might be tired out so what i really like to do is a lot of my domestic like kind of grounding also and jokes and personality comes from like following political people on Twitter and stuff like that. And I always watch like the late shows, for example, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyers, like they always have their monologues up afterwards. And that they actually touch on like most domestic hot button issues. It's actually kind of like, I don't want to say like cheating, but you kind of get a grounding in the issues in like literally it's entertainment. So I think that that's, that's a decent strategy as well. Yeah. Um, what I like to do is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show, The Circus, but it's on Showtime and you can probably watch on like some free TV site. But again, shouting out some unethical things, but um, it's like really cool. There's these three people. You have like a, someone who's a Democrat, someone who's a Republican and someone who's a centrist. And um, they like, they've interviewed a bunch of high profile people. Uh, they go around Capitol Hill and just follow the news every single week. Vice News, really gutsy journalists. Um, they, they're hit or miss these days, but really great content. Vox News, they have another YouTube channel, super great. Podcasts like Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, The Extemper's Bible, all of those are great. So check them out. Yeah. All right, let's see. So do you, like, you talked about how Christopher Maximos was um, one of the extempers that really inspired you in this activity. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any others like when like people that inspired you in this activity or people that I guess for lack of a better word, you try to model your success after? Yeah. Um, so Chris is a big inspiration because he was like a huge name before I even started doing it. Um, before I even started big Stamp, I knew who he was since he had finaled at Nats and stuff like that. And I met him for the first time at TOC and it was my first big national tournament. And I had like, I was kind of like starstruck, I guess. But um, he quickly became closer. And I think one other person that really made a difference besides like the big names on the national circuit, like um, Mo and Jacqueline and Juliet Reyes, because they've been with me and they've competed with me. So I've learned a lot just by being there. But there's also someone on the Illinois circuit as well, um, James Hahn, who traveled nationally and he was like a national finalist, I want to say two years ago. And then last year he semifinaled at Nats and IX. And I think he is 
probably almost as good rhetorically as Jackie um, at extemp in general. And I think if he had traveled nationally more, he would have he would have also been one of those big names. But in Illinois, our circuit's kind of close knit and close, so a lot of us don't travel nationally at all. But I think he was really another name that really brought me in because he was one of those analytical extempers when I was really focusing on my delivery. So he kind of inspired me to learn more and read more and tighten up my analysis as well. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Minnesota is also pretty like close knit. Um, and hopefully we can get people like Chris Maximos on the show in the future. That would be really awesome. So let's think, let's think. So we talked about, you know, some of the best advice you've received. We talked about how you got started in extemp. Um, the, uh, let's see the extempers you've tried to mimic um, but was there like ever a moment in this activity where something clicked and you realized that you had the potential to do well in this activity I want to say this is gonna sound kind of unorthodox but I want to say like probably my first tournament in extemp because it was an Illinois local and um I didn't make finals that tournament, but I was like one rank off from breaking finals. And this was my first ever extemp tournament. And I was like, okay, this is basically impromptu, but I get more time to prepare and get my thoughts together. So I thought that was like, I can definitely do this um, because I'm a limited prep kind of guy anyway. So after that, I started winning locals and I was like, okay, I can probably, I can definitely do well in this activity. And my goal at that time was to just do well at the state tournament because my school has a super small speech program and at that point we had not qualified anybody to the state tournament in the last five years because Illinois state tournament is kind of exclusive you only get like 18 to 20 entries per event um, because you have to go through regionals and sectionals to finally get to state so that year I was like I just want to get to the state tournament and maybe do well at the state tournament. And then at the state tournament, I actually managed to win the state tournament in my first year of doing the activity. So I was like, wow. okay, I can probably uh, aim higher and try to go nationally. And I knew nothing about the national circuit at this point. I, I knew what NSBA was, but I definitely didn't know what like Glenn Brooks was or um, the TOCs. So that year I did some mad research since our state tournament is in February and TOC was in April. So I did over those two months, I was like applying at large to the TOC and stuff like that. And I managed to get invited to both the Kentucky Tournament of Champions and the Northwestern Tournament of Champions. And there it was, that was actually my first time actually traveling nationally. And they only let me in because I was the state champion from Illinois. I didn't have the bids at all. Um, I had zero bids for either of those tournaments. So I just showed up there. I was kind of, I didn't know what was going to happen because I never traveled. I knew nobody on the circuit, but over those two tournaments, I made a ton of friends and I, I really got closer with the community and I managed to final at both those tournaments somehow. I actually don't know how because my analysis wasn't as polished as it was now. And I got third at the Kentucky TOC and fifth at the Northwestern TOC and that really inspired me having that early success kind of inspired me to push harder and do even more to try and make myself the most complete speaker I could be. So what did that grind look like you know from uh, uh, the Illinois State uh, Championship to like 
leading into those two TOCs. What what was your like daily practice routine? I guess daily daily practice would have just been um, reading because one of the things I am lucky I I'm kind of lucky for is that I'm naturally a good speaker and have naturally good delivery. So at that point in time, sophomore year, I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, I can use humor in my on tops or, or make my AGDs more funny using these sources or whatever. I literally was not even thinking about that. I barely knew what substructure was. I didn't even start really diving into the rhetoric more until junior year. So sophomore year was really about getting my grounding in the event. So my daily practice routine wasn't really, was more uh, building the knowledge base around me, like reading and, and watching stuff that would make me more knowledgeable about the world, rather than focusing on my delivery, because I was already decent at that. And since uh, my program was so small, I didn't really have a coach um, that was running around telling me to work on my substructure, because our season technically ended in February, and none of no one else traveled nationally at all. So it was all independent. I really did I really did all the work for the national circuit on my own. Um, and I did that by just reading a lot and learning from the people I met on the national circuit. Actually, that's why I want to thank everyone who's been on the circuit because they actually kind of taught me how to, you know, analyze and actually do extend kind of the correct way, I guess you'd say it. You heard it here first. No excuses. Even if you have like a more absentee coach, you can still succeed despite those challenges. Um, you also touch up on another really important thing. Uh, you know, you were someone who didn't really have the opportunity to travel a lot. So you, you perhaps didn't know a lot of people on the national circuit. Uh, how did you like overcome that? Cause I know a lot of people are discouraged from traveling cause they feel as if they, they don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can only speak from my personal experience, but the first time I was at the Kentucky TOC, I met some members of the Plano West squad. And I know they, for, for a lot of people, they can be maybe a bit intimidating because they're like Plano, they're the, big, they're the biggest extent school. But going into the TOC, I had no idea who they were. I had no idea who anybody was. Like I literally knew nobody. So I started talking with like, I think you just have to like reach out and start talking to people and people will actually say hi back. I was walking to a round with this guy, uh, Pranay Dondi. He turned out to be from Plano West. And we kind of uh, hit it off. And, you know, he he graduated a year before me, but we always saw each other at tournaments the year after. Um, so my first tournament at TOC, I made like a couple friends. And then the week after at the Extemp TOC, I think the Extemp TOC is really, really cool because um, the campus at, at Northwestern is not that big. Like the area where you're doing stuff, you don't have to walk that far. So a lot of people are hanging out at Northwestern and stuff like that. And I made more friends there because I think you just have to, most, most of the people on the national circuit are open and stuff like that. They're really easy to talk to. Obviously there are some, there are going to be some clicks and stuff like that, but obviously even the Plano people, they saw this guy from Illinois. They had no idea who I was. I had no idea who they were. Um, and I managed to talk with them a bit and obviously, uh, competing with these top level extempers and showing that you're willing to get better is not a, is, is not a bad way to go about things. As long as you reach out, I think a lot of people will be nicer than you expect. You talked about how like the ETOC was 
your other favorite tournament alongside the NBA? And you sort of touched up on it, but can you like elaborate what made the uh, Tournament of Champions experience at Northwestern University particularly special? Yeah. So this tournament, like NBA, is extemp-focused, right? It's the extemporaneous speaking Tournament of Champions uh, hosted by Northwestern University. And their speech program at Northwestern is known for its limited expertise. Like their extent program is one of the best collegiate extent programs in the nation, as far as I know. And the reason it's really well done is because their prelims are, I think, I want to say double judged. They have like multiple judges in each prelim. Um, So they're double judged prelims. So you don't really get screwed over in terms of ranks or anything. So the rank, the prelim ranks are very, you know, you also have to be consistent like MBA. Um, the competition is obviously at a high level because the people that are there had to have bids. They had to have qualified. And it's really a unique experience because the questions there that are written are also more kind of MBA-esque because a lot of the same people involved in planning MBA are involved with planning the Northwestern Tournament of Champions. So they're really, really similar in the, term, in the terms of hard questions that they're gonna give you, the level of rhetoric they expect. So if in the out rounds, there's also cross X starting from quarters going all the way to finals, right? So it's earlier than most national circuit tournaments. So there it's more of a complete tournament experience. And like the day before the Friday, there's like a reception, they have like, burgers out and everyone just gets together and hangs out before the tournament even starts so I think that that's really cool and the Northwestern campus is also really really it's actually it's it's incredibly beautiful um so everyone there is just hanging out having a good time and obviously competing at a very high level of extent totally so then um two questions to go along with that then um one do you have any advice for extempers on how to approach a question which they have literally no experience for like i i know like i forget what it was but there was this one really obscure question about this railroad being built through like nepal or something at the toc finals i think it was in 2018 so if you're an extemper who has like no background knowledge on that how would you approach some of those questions yeah so i'll give you kind of an example of what I did when I was faced with that. Um, if you are in a tournament that lets you use internet, for example, the Northwestern TOC and MBA both lets you use internet, you would use, I would say you would use maybe even up to five minutes of your prep time uh, just reading, like just learning as much as you can about the topic. And this can be anything from like a simple Google search or like looking up on Wikipedia, like quick stats about what you're doing. So I got a question at the 2019 MBA two years ago about the Donbass region in Ukraine. And this has been a war that's been going on for six years, but me being relatively new to the activity and I'm more of a DX guy myself, more kind of a US uh, extemper myself, even though I don't make that distinction. I did not know how to approach the question because I barely knew what the Donbass was. I obviously knew there was a civil war going on in Ukraine and I knew um, it was Russia annexing Crimea back in 2014, but I didn't know what the Donbass was at all. So I had to do research from the get-go. So if you have internet, use five minutes of your time to learn about the topic, 
to learn at surface level the topic that you need to know about. And this is where my previous advice of try to find more creative analysis goes out the window, right? If you don't have any previous knowledge about it, you need to do like surface level analysis that still is passable. Um, you have to say the most obvious connections, but that are correct. You need to make, you just need to make sure everything in your speech is correct. And the way you do that is by spending five minutes doing some quick research and then using the simplest structure you can think of like, oh, what, who is the leader of this? Who is the outside forces acting on this? Like which country has an interest here? And just say, all right, we're just going to use this simply put, is there any political tension in this area? And then you just go from there. Um, because you, if you don't know anything about it, you throw all the complex stuff out the window. And if you can't find anything else about that either, for example, um, at Yale, at the Yale Invitational this past year, I got a question in the semifinal round about um, antitrust laws and tech companies. And this is a topic I should have known more about. Like, I definitely should have known more about, but I didn't necessarily know anything about it because it was the start of the season. Yale's the start of the season. Um, I'm, I don't care for Silicon Valley myself, so I didn't really read up a lot on that. And my analysis was like, I did five minutes of research and I was like, this is not an issue you can learn about in five minutes. What am I supposed to do? So I legitimately just put a joke in like every sentence I said. I just wanted to make sure like the judges and the audience were having a good time basically. I did not win that round by any stretch of the imagination. I actually got dropped, but everyone listening to that speech thought it was pretty funny. So um, if you are truly in a situation like that, just make it as entertaining for the judges as possible and hope you maybe get like a lay judge or something like that. If you don't know anything about the topic, it's harder, but it can be done. Yeah. I, I've like, one time I drew a question about like South Sudan's economy, Wikipedia, as you said before, another great source. And also just like fake it till you make it. Cause chances are not, don't make up like information, obviously, but um, sound confident even if you're delivering like the most rudimentary and basic information about a place, because chances are, if it's such a complex topic, like even your judges don't know about it. Like they're not well-versed in antitrust law or like the intricacies of the Donbass region or something, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Confidence is, is really key in those types of situations as well. Yeah. And then the second question going back to the TOC was there like, you know, what is it, six prelims or something like that? You have quarterfinals, semifinals, and then uh, finals. So just like all around, there are a lot of speeches you have to give. And that requires a lot of endurance and consistency in this activity. Um, how do you stay like consistent and um, maintain momentum in extent? Yeah, and this is a really, really interesting question because I remember my junior year, in October, I went down to Florida for Florida Blue Key, and like Naps, they split it into DX and IX, um, but you could enter both. So I entered both, and I think there were legitimately, I gave 18 speeches that tournament um, across like, I want to say two and a half days. So uh, wow. that was like an ultimate test of making sure you had to stay, like there wasn't even time for to eat or a lunch break or whatever. And I think they changed it because they should have. That was a ridiculous tournament that should never have been run that way. But um, I think the advice I have to give is 
whenever I'm prepping for extemp, I don't even feel like I'm using time, right? I feel like I'm kind of like in a chamber or whatever that like this is your job and you just have to do it. You just have to finish the prep in 30 minutes and when the round's done, then you can go back to your life, right? <laughs> like this round is what you are doing and you cannot think about anything else. So I think within the round, you have to adopt that mentality of this is the round that you're in and this is what you have to be doing in that round so that you can maintain peak performance. But between the rounds is when you kind of have to reset, right? So that's when making sure you get at least a decent amount of sleep at least in tournament days comes into play because I know some people, a lot of people maybe will get like less than five or six hours on the night before tournament. And that's not optimal because especially in longer tournament scenarios, you're going to be running out of energy. And obviously you can like drink a Red Bull or whatever, but sleep is a more natural way to make sure you are on top of your game and are able to compete for long periods of time. And always bring some snacks or whatever so that between rounds you can like eat a granola bar or eat a banana or something like that to get your energy back up. And then once again, when you're in the round, you can't be thinking about anything else. You just have to be locked in. Totally. And hydrate yourself. Make sure you're drinking water as well. So want to make sure this interview doesn't run on too long. So we'll do two more questions. Um, one, if you had to change a rule in extemp, what would it be and why? Yeah, um, I think that most places should be allowing internet by now. I think that that's like, I think that that should be reasonable within the next few years at least. And I know that's a rule change that's already being implemented in a lot of places. So for my other one, I would think that cross X should be more prevalent in like earlier out rounds because most big national tournaments don't agree having cross X until the final round. But I think cross X is one of the coolest parts of NBA, for example, and of the Northwestern Tournament of Champions. So I think having cross X and having adding that additional dynamic of making sure that your opponent speaker is knows what they're talking about, knows what they're talking about and isn't just sounding confident, for example. Um, I think that's really, really useful. And I think that's a rule change that would benefit pretty much everyone involved. Totally. And um, you talked about like uh, how you wish that we're going online. I think that next year, someone should correct me if I'm wrong on this like later, but I think next year nationals is going online, like officially moving online this year. They're probably going to have to just cause like the tournament is online and um I know that they're like not the only tournament and once, once the nationals does it, basically every other tournament should hopefully uh, mm -hmm. dole out those rules as well. And um, on the note of cross sex, like if it's like a matter of time for tournaments, cut down on those awards. They're so long, just like <laughs> how they're sucking up to people for like an hour and a half before they actually get to awards. And then cool. We'll do one more question then, and then we'll wrap things up. This is the question I like to end things off with then, but um, in your opinion, what are like the three big qualities that each great extemper possesses? Mm -hmm. So the first one is confidence. Um, because in your delivery, whether you're a humorous extemper or a more serious extemper, right? You need to be sure of what you're saying. You need to be like, here's my joke that I'm delivering. If you don't like it, 
that's your problem. That's not mine, right? You need to be confident in what you're saying. And that you're like, this is my analysis. I may have learned it 10 minutes ago, and I may have done my first research on a Wikipedia article during prep time, but here's my analysis, and you are going to eat up this analysis. So if you have confidence, you can definitely get away with a lot of things, right? Um, the second one is you have to be uh, good in your rhetoric. I don't know what, how to say it, but like the two main facets of extemp are delivery and analysis, right? That's the difference between a lay judge and a flow judge, for example. So the confidence part kind of is more on the delivery focused. And then the second aspect is you need to have good analysis. No matter how good your delivery is, you're not going to place top six at MBA or like Northwestern TOC if you don't have the analysis to back it up. So that's the second main quality. One second, quick, quick shameless plug here. If you want to better your analysis, I actually run this like free online session via Zoom. You can sign up on this Google form and I'm thinking about doing camps. I'll literally provide a head to toe criticism of your Google doc. Sorry, just had to quickly plug myself there. Got to hustle, but yeah. And then um, the third main quality I think is you have to, you really have to have a short memory, like a, like kind of a bad short term memory because there's always a round where you do really bad or there's a round where you do really well, right? There's like a round where, oh, I should have said this to the judge, or oh, that was a great joke. You have to be willing to learn from those mistakes or good things, but then immediately like turn it off when next round comes on, right? So in, in order to succeed, in order to be consistent across those 10 rounds of NBA or, or whatever out rounds you're doing at whatever tournament, you have to be willing to take each speech as it comes and then move on to the next one when it's time to move on. So I think having that short-term memory is really useful um, in keeping their tournament experience more successful and more enjoyable. Exactly. Got to keep your chin up high, even if you think you're doing poorly or if you think you're doing well, because like sometimes the rounds where you think you got the one, you end up getting the six. And sometimes the round you think you ended up getting the six, you end up getting the one. So Mm -hmm. It's all just about like looking at looking forward instead of just dwelling in the past. Yep. But anyways, so, well, that wraps up today's interview with Brian Zhang. Once again, a two-time TOC finalist champion at NCFLs and Glenbrooks and two-time NBA invitee. It was super duper awesome to have you here, man. Like really, really, really informative interview. And I think this is one of the longer ones just because you had, a lot to talk about and you provided really meaningful answers. So thank you. Yep. Thank you for having me once again and uh, good luck on everything and good luck on next season as well. Thanks.